Well, my brother, this is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Scott Jeffrey Miller. Scott, are you ready to do this? George G, I am always ready. Thank you for the spotlight. I'm excited to have you on. Excited to have you back on the show. Scott is a senior advisor of thought leadership with Franklin Covey. He's a member of Marshall Goldsmith's 100 Coaches. His newest book is Master Mentors, Volume 2, 30 Transformative Insights from Our Greatest Minds. Scott, welcome back. Tell us a little about your personal life, some more about your work, and what motivated you to write the book. Well, you and I have fairly parallel personal lives. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah with my wife, Stephanie, and we are, we're told blessed to have three sons that are eight, 10, and 12. That was a tough early uh, start to our marriage, but it's getting a little bit better. Uh, I'm originally from Florida. I worked for the Walt Disney Company for four years, and I just finished a 27-year career with the Franklin Covey Company, the world's most trusted leadership firm. I'm also privileged to host what is now the world's largest weekly leadership podcast in our fifth year. Uh, hits about 7 million people each Tuesday. And from all those amazing interviews with about 300 guests, I've authored this 10-volume series called Master Mentors, where each year I publish a new volume focused on transformational insights from 30 of that year's guests. I love it. The idea to do that... Did that just pop into your head or you thought, you know what, I, I'm interviewing all these really, really smart people. I ought to, you know, write, write, write books. And you thought, if I'm going to write one, I've got, you know, all, 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 all these other people. So 10. You know, I'll be honest, uh, real honest is I don't know that I've ever had an original thought in my life. I was the <laughs> chief marketing officer of a global public company. In fact, most people statistically have never had an original thought in their life. And the more I came comfortable with that accusation, I realized, you know, I'm actually a great pollinator. I'm a great aggregator. I'm pretty good at teasing out, you know, that's actually profound. Let's talk more about that. So my idea was to say, gosh, you know, I've had this amazing podcast interviewing really remarkable people, and I want to have more access. I want to create broader access to it beyond just the listeners. So I thought, what if I was to write a book featuring these 30 people with their permission and share a little more context around what Deepak Chopra said or Ariana Huffington or Matthew McConaughey or you name it. So that was the idea was to just to kind of pollinate their ideas better. I think the first half of my career, George, was very much having the spotlight focused on me. And now I hope the second half of my life and career, statistically, I'm 73% done with my life, which is kind of horrifying at 54 as a white male in America. So I want to have the the, the, the remaining 28% of my life really have the spotlight focus on other people and help pollinate the ideas. The books have done well, and I'm on to volume three now, but that really was the genesis behind the books. By the way, do not ever have an idea to write a book about 30 celebrities. It will crush you with the legal permissions, the publicists, the agents, the editors. Do not write compilation <laughs> books about celebrities. <laughs> well, that's fascinating, isn't it? And I will just take your advice on that one. That's one way to say it. <laughs> that's 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 one of those euphemisms that uh, you yeah, hear about. Yeah. yeah. Nice. All right. So no original ideas. Somebody asked me <laughs> once, they, 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 they told me that they were at a dinner and they would, they went around the table and they said, what do you think? That no, what what do you believe or think to be true that nobody else thinks? I was like, oh my god, how how would I even answer that question? And I don't know. I'm 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 with you, and like 
coming to terms with that, getting over it, or 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 embracing it? Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, statistically, it's true. The vast majority of humans have never had an original thought, and and it's so offensive at first blush. But the more I kind of embraced the statistical accuracy of it, I thought, well, that's okay. I wouldn't know that I was here to have an original thought. I was here to, you know, find my purpose and mission, which I'm still searching for as a 54-year-old, you know, author and podcaster and radio host. But I think my I focus less on the necessity of having original ideas and more about not trying to reinvent the wheel, right? My life sadly isn't that much different than your life. We struggle with the same issues and have the same types of 401ks and same types of gas in our cars and our kids had the same problems. And so I'm kind of focused more on avoiding the mistakes that previous people have made. I think life is half of just avoiding the messes in life. And so I'm more focused on trying to understand what are the paths to success, happiness, joy, congruence that successful people have had and how to also understand the mistakes that they've made and not to repeat them in my own life and help others do the same. I, I'm after you know a 30-year career in the leadership development industry, having been tutored by the most famous man in that business, Stephen R. Covey, for more than a decade of my career. I have learned, George, that I think some large portion of success in life is just avoiding the pitfalls and the potholes that other people fall into. And the other small portion of success is then, you know, finding your own passions and joys. But that's my story. Well, I think it's excellent. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people that it seems I must touch the hot stove myself a lot of the time. But as I've been getting a little bit older, I've been able to actually take in and receive information and, 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 and apply it into my life. And that's really what you're driving at. That's really what mentorship is. That's exactly right. These books are called Master Mentors because I passionately believe that we too narrowly define mentorship. Most people believe mentorship is someone you've been partnered with in the C-suite on the 10th floor or someone that's down the hall that you know you were part of a program with. And those are great opportunities. Take advantage of those if you have those with your employer. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at my own career, by most measures, wildly successful. I worked really hard and I worked under great people who mentored me. Most of my mentors in life, George, are people I've never met. Like they literally do not know I am alive. I've read their books. I followed their podcast. I flew to conferences where they keynoted. Take Marcus Buckingham. Many of your listeners may know who he is. He was one of the original uh, founders of the strengths movement at Gallup. He wrote, now discover your strengths and first break all the rules. And he's gone on to build a huge following. I followed Marcus Buckingham for 30 years. I met him for the first time three weeks ago at brunch in San Diego after interviewing for the podcast. Marcus has had a profound impact on me. He didn't know I even existed until about a month ago when I reached out and interviewed him on the podcast. He's one of the biggest names in the industry. And so I think for your listeners and, and those that are following your podcast, don't limit the, the definition of who a mentor is in your life. It's a commonality that everyone that I've ever interviewed on this podcast has in common they have identified mentors in their lives and not always the most successful person. It could be the person that had three divorces. In fact, if I look for a successful marriage, I don't look to be mentored by the guy that's had a 50 year marriage. I go to the guy that's had three marriages because <laughs> again, I don't have the, I don't have the patience. I don't have the continence. I don't have the personality of the guy that's had a 50 year marriage. 
I probably have the personality of the guy that's had three marriages and <laughs> I want to know what not to do. What are the mistakes you made? And I think mentorship isn't just about being someone else. It's about learning what they did wrong to avoid that. You see a theme here in, in my conversation. Avoid the messes. I think that, that makes a ton of sense. So it's avoid messes. It's certainly it's learn what has worked. It's 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 maybe pick up a tactic here or there. It's behaviors. What about recognizing that? Look at that. There's a human being who has done maybe the thing that I'm interested in doing or the thing that I'm not sure is possible. No question. Right. There's two sides to this. But I didn't even get more raw. I mean, I, I, some of my greatest mentors in life are people that have had colossal failures, like colossal failures in their marriage, with their kids, with their businesses. I mean, I, I think I've learned more from the mistakes of big mentors and the successes. And to your point, you want a guide. You want someone that can help to channel your energy and, and teach you the lessons that they've learned along the way of what does make for a successful business or a successful brand. So absolutely. I mean, some of my mentors like Seth Godin, for example, right? A famous podcaster and, and marketer and blogger. You know, Seth has taught me the difference between being reckless and being fearless. And I used to confuse the two. Stephen Covey taught me the difference between being efficient and being effective. And so when I look for mentors and to highlight them, you look at this book that I wrote, Master Mentors. Most of the stories are highlighting something extraordinary this person did that I think is replicable, or perhaps they survived a trauma or in fact a plane crash or had some intervention in their life that leads you to a positive end in your own life. So there's no question your mentor plays both roles. I just happen to like the idea. I have my own skills, my own personality, my own IQ, my own SAT score or lack of SAT score, right? I have my own set of geniuses and I don't have any of yours. And so I got to run with my own strengths. And again, I'm, I'm kind of not obsessed, but I'm, I tend to be focused on, so what did you do wrong? What, what are the, what are the temptations and choices that you fell into or made that I will also face? So I can see those coming on the horizon and stay clear of them. Quite frankly, uh, to the extent I've, I've been self-sabotaged in my life, which we all do, it's because I didn't wisely avoid the same temptations or mistakes that other people fell into. You know, not significant things, ethical or moral big issues, but, you know, just the lessons that others that plotted in front of me, I really think it's the key to success is just not falling into the potholes that people did in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I certainly couldn't agree more. And it strikes me that, you know, when you read about when you're on the internet, you wonder, is this really things or behaviors that people are doing or is it just BS? Um, I'm I'm concerned that that many of us are refusing to listen or talk to or take in information from people that we disagree with on a certain topic. What do you think about that? Well, that's for sure. Look at the elections, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. There's no question about that. Social media uh you know, just a remarkable tool. I mean, it's the new social media is the new television, the new radio, it's the new mm. podcast, it's the new billboard, it's the new, you know, newspaper ad or magazine ad. And so you kind of need to be on social media if you're building a brand, if you're selling products, if you're selling a service, if you're authoring a book, whatever it is. So you got to have a healthy lens about it, right? I, 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 I'm trolled daily. 
I had someone a few weeks ago send a post to me that said, you know, I've watched 17 episodes of your podcast and I just can't seem to like you. And I thought, it took you 17 episodes to decide you don't like me? Most people have decided in 17 seconds whether they like me or not. And I think a lot of people, it might crush them, but I kind of find it fascinating fuel to keep going. Like, well, hey, you held, you hung in there for 17 weeks? Wow, you're patient. You were really dedicated. So I try to keep all things in perspective. I try to keep a little frivolity with the trolling going on. I try not to fall into the comparison conundrum of, you know, how big your podcast is versus mine. Stay in my lane, do my thing, and just keep going. You know, I, I, I'll share a separate story with you. I'm six foot one, about a buck 75 after a hot fudge Sunday. I've always been kind of thin, right? And so in my 30s, I was intensely in the gym trying to gain weight, like three days a week with a trainer. And I put on a bunch of weight and really transformed myself back in my 30s. Then I got married, had three kids, and now I'm back to the dad bod. My point is, I went from, you know, like a buck. 58 to about a buck 74 in four years. It was all solid muscle. And one time some guy came back, came by the gym and asked my trainer if I was using steroids, which of course was hysterically not true. Because I had literally transformed my body through a lot of hard work. And my trainer said, no, the guy's just really disciplined. And the guy came to me and asked me what my goal was. And I looked at him and I said, to keep going. Like my goal is just to keep going. In many ways, that's my life goal, whether it be through my books, some sell well, some are total flops. Some podcast episodes get, you know, 3 million listens, some get 3,000 listens. And so for me, my goal in life is just to keep going. There are setbacks, there are triumphs. Last week, a publisher dropped me. Within 48 hours, I had a new publisher for the series. And so I try not to be super reactive with ups and downs, two bigs and two highs, two lows rather. I try to just keep going. It's a long answer, meandering answer to your question, but I think that's been, uh, and, I, and I'm a fairly manic person, kind of, I, I, like naturally, I'm kind of family, family manic, not clinically, I don't think, just sort of personality wise. <laughs> I try to just keep going and use these tools, social media, other things like that, as a resource to touch as many lives as I can and be touched. By as many lives, including the Joker that hangs with me for 17 weeks and decides he just can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's hilarious. You need to be that able to hilarious. laugh about that. But I think he thought he was like shaming me. And I kind of saw it as, wow, I had you stuck around for 17 weeks. That's a lot longer than I would have stuck around. So kudos to you and me. Yeah. I tend to have someone I was I was lamenting something this morning with a colleague in a text. And I said, you know, my overinflated sense of self-importance comes in great handy during the low times. And the person laughed on the other end. I think there is some value in having a little bit of healthy narcissism, a little bit of healthy sense of, you know, self-importance. I said a little bit. Yeah, just 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 the right amount, Scott. Just the right amount to keep you going in the hard times. Just and that's uh this is not where you expected your podcast no. interview I, I think, to go, is it, George? I, I, I think it's great. And <laughs> I think a lot about that. We talked about how you're constantly learning, um, sort of when 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 we opened the the, the interview and, and and you're still searching for it. And I think that we all are. If 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 we're thoughtful people, 
we are looking for our place in the world, the value yeah. that 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 we're providing. And so when somebody uh, gets the opportunity to listen to you, they're like, wow, look, look at this guy. He's got, you know, the biggest leadership podcast in the world. And he's still, you know, going through this stuff and he's taking arrows in the front and the back. And and one Daily. of the big takeaways Daily. is just just you just need to keep moving. Can I share? Can I share a quick insight with you? Please. I don't want to hijack your podcast. Uh, so I worked for the Covey Leadership Center in Franklin Covey for 27 years, right? The most influential leadership firm in the world, given thousands of keynotes. I've written seven books, blah, blah, blah. And I was at a conference once with Stephen Covey, and he talked about the importance of knowing your mission, finding your mission. That at franklincovey.com, the most trafficked page on that site is the mission statement builder. And he's giving this speech to a thousand of our employees in the company. And I'm about 35 years old. I'm single at the time, didn't get married till I was 41. And nothing in his speech resonated with me. I'm like, my mission? I have no idea what my mission is. I'm single. I don't know. More tennis, more champagne, more trips to Italy. I don't know. More people cleaning my house, more freak. I have no idea what my mission is in life. And I just, and everyone's like weeping and they're having this transformational event. I'm like, I have no idea what my mission is. Dude, I'm 54. I still don't know what my mission in life is. I kind of hate that question. Stop telling me you found your mission. It's insulting. I've not found my mission. How my mission is to pay the mortgage this month. My mission is to launch three boys in a tough world. My mission is to keep my marriage together. My mission is to scrape together January's tuition payment for my boys' school. That's my mission. My mission is not to argue with my mother during the holidays. That's my mission. My mission is to send her off on a plane six days from now still liking me. That's my mission. And then, and I mean, that's being raw. I have no clue what my mission is in life or my purpose. Not sure I ever will. And I've been in the leadership business for 30 years. I've interviewed the biggest names in the business. I have no clue what my mission is. Then our second founder, a man less well-known named Hiram Smith got up. He invented the Franklin Planner, right? Sold hundreds of millions of Franklin planners. We've since sold that company. He's the father of time management, so to speak, modern time management. He gets up and he starts talking about your values. And this was not a new conversation, but he says, if you want to have a successful life and find congruency and, and calm in your life, peace, inner peace, you've got to identify your values. And I thought, ding, now that's interesting. I'd heard the idea. It was not a new idea to me, but I had never identified my values, George. So I went off as a single 35-year-old, got married six years later or seven years later, and went off and I went back to my home and I actually identified my values. I wrote down seven things that I valued, purpose, health, integrity, loyalty, positivity, abundance, and learning. Phil Pal, P-H-I-L-P-A-L, Phil Pal, that's the acronym. And I kind of dedicated my life to living in alignment with those seven values. And I think... The exercise around getting really clear on my values, purpose, health, integrity, loyalty, positivity, abundance, and learning. And I'm not sure I'll ever discover what my mission or passion is other than to say is, you know what, perhaps it's just to live in accordance with those seven values and have people catch me doing it. And at my funeral, if someone mentions, did you know Scott's values were these seven things? Maybe they'll share a story. Maybe they won't. That probably is more invaluable to me than mission. No offense to my hero, Stephen Covey. I still have no idea what my mission is. I'm trying to uncover it, discover it. In the meantime, I've identified my values and I'm trying to live fiercely in accordance with them. 
and maybe that's um, maybe that's some value to your listeners this morning. Yeah. Take the time to identify your values, rank, order them, and then set your priorities in alignment with them. Most people, if you ask someone what are your values, they'd say, "Oh, you know, freedom and liberty and patriotism," and and then the next week you'd say, "What are your values?" Oh, harmony. People would make stuff up that sounded good. Stop making it up. And by the way, don't pick your values based on anyone else's. I don't give a flying crap what George D. thinks about my values. They're my values. I live in accordance with them. And you shouldn't care what I think about your values. Go pick your values, live in accordance with them, and you'll find, I hope, your mission in life. Wish me luck. I love it. How's that for a diatribe from a guest? Boom. Powerful. Well done. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. Certainly, we've all sat through those seminars. You're like, yeah, great mission. I don't even write. Okay. You know, I'm 25, I'm 35, I'm 45, whatever. That's not resonating, but then something does click. And when you align your values with your priorities and your habits and your actions, you're probably going to get closer to the life you want versus the life you don't want. So I'm probably a pretty bad ambassador for the Break One Company website. I'm super passionate about their company. I love them. I'm still an ambassador for them. But it, that's not for everyone, including me, the chief marketing officer of the company for a decade. I love it. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage? And where can they pick up a copy of Master Mentors Volume 2? So my books are in uh, bookstores everywhere, online and digital. You can buy my books both in print, digital, audio, and video. My books are now Master Mentors Volume 1 is a video book. You can visit litvideobooks.com, L-I-T, Lit Video Books. They take books and they translate them into 50-minute videos for those YouTube generation people who like to watch versus read or listen. You can visit scottjeffreymiller.com or you can subscribe to the On Leadership podcast. Search for On Leadership with Scott Miller, interviewing Tony Robbins, Brene Brown, Jay Shetty, some great guests coming up in the new year. There's about 250 episodes that are aired, video and audio. You can also follow me on every social platform, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, you name it. I am on it. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed as much as I did, show Scott your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Pick up a copy of Master Master Mentors Volume 2 wherever you buy your books. Check out the litvideobooks.com, L-I-T-videobooks.com as well. And then go to scottjeffreymiller.com and check out the On Leadership podcast with Scott Miller as well. Thanks again, Scott. Thank you, George. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.